All right, coming up, our interview with Christian Gokel of ESPN Coastal, breaking down Georgia-Michigan, the Georgia quarterback controversy, Benedictine's state championship in football, and a few more things from ESPN Coastal's digital director. Christian Gokel interview coming up. Ain't nobody gonna this your boy I've always kind of believed in aliens. I don't know if I believe in flying saucers. You might as well just walk up to Cupid while he's on his lunch break, you know, cranking a beat or something. Yeah. Him right in the face. Punch a little baby right in. We'll see that. We're almost uh, three minutes into our sports podcast and yet to bring up not one sport. Roll out. Come on, bounce. All right, we got Christian Gokel with us now from ESPN Coastal in Savannah, 104.3 FM. If you're listening in the Savannah area, if not on ESPNCoastal.com, as well as anywhere you find your podcasts, ESPN Coastal in the search to pull that up. Christian, second time appearing on the Hot Grits podcast. Thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, it's been too long, fellas. So Spencer, out of this interview, uh, we're burning it at both ends for the listeners. So he's editing while I interview you. And I guess, you know, I told you when I wanted you to come on, like the main thing that we're talking about and that our listeners are talking about and that I know you guys are talking about on three and out and on second down, um, you know, on y'all's weekly show or daily show is Georgia, Michigan coming up on New Year's Eve. But more than that, I mean, it's, I guess you guys are talking like everyone else about the quarterback situation, right? Uh, I mean, peripherally, I think more so for me, it's you can talk yourself in a circle on that because it's literally been the same conversation for 12 weeks now. So yeah, yeah, we're, really more, we're more talking about what we've seen, which is you got to assume it's going to be Stetson. So how does that look going forward? So, yeah, we've mostly been stuck on that. I, I get tired of talking about can bees. I like to talk about the things that probably will be. Oh, of course. That's like your hope. But I mean, y'all, you're kind of show. Like, I, I mean, I hear the people that call in. It's got it's the first thing that they talk about. And I know uh, your sidekick, Cam, like I know he he was pissed after they lost to Alabama. I mean, it, it has been the same storyline, but it's just like it's almost like that's the only really question we had before Alabama was Stetson versus JT. And then it was sort of validated, even if it's not correct. It was sort of validated again. Right. That the old storyline that Stetson Bennett can't be the one to win you a football game. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know if that's true though. And I, I'm not a huge Stetson supporter, right? I think a lot of things can be true at the same time. I think Stetson Bennett has been super efficient this year. He's been really good on the long ball, but he's also taken advantages of some really bad defenses. Right? So I think a lot of things can be true. Other side of that is, is he a quarterback that's going to win you a game because he's Stetson Bennett? No, but I think the horrifying nightmare for Georgia fans specifically in 2021 is JT Daniels probably isn't that either. If he was, he would have played by now because he's healthy. Kirby Smart's not in the business of trying to win games with people he likes. He's going to give the guy who has the best chance to get him a W, he's going to let him start. So the whole narrative that Kirby just likes Stetson more. There's something going on with JT. I saw Kirby and Stetson at SEC or, or JT at SEC media days. There was no sort of like friction or anything. Uh, JT looked like a dude who was going to start for 15 games uh, if he had a chance. So 
I, I just – the whole narrative that Kirby Smart is like mishandling a quarterback situation, I think him and Todd Munkin and everybody else on that staff are watching a quarterback battle back and forth and saying, well, this guy gives us the best chance to win. I really think it's as simple as that. Okay, yeah. No, I hear you. And I think – if I, I'm just going to play devil's advocate because, like, I've said the whole season, Stetson Bennett should be the starter for this game. And, like, I'm not his coach, so I don't have to give him the vote of authority past the next game. You know what I mean? But as a fan, yeah. there was nothing. There was nothing that a reasonable fan could have seen from Stetson Bennett before Alabama except for the fact that, oh, he lost to the, you know, the last time they needed him against Alabama to win a big game against that team. He lost. And, so, like, I guess I would just say that if JT Daniels gives you the best chance to win, he would play. I think we all agree on that. But mm-hmm. they might argue, the JT Daniels supporter might argue, Stetson Bennett gives you the best chance to win versus every team you've played and probably versus Michigan. Therefore, he should be the starter. But versus Alabama, if Stetson Bennett cannot win you the game, which we all said that he, he cannot win you, he hasn't had to win a game by himself. But that right. might be what you have to have against Alabama. That's what they would argue, I would well, think. Here's what's scary to me, though, Travis, is I think you may have already kind of buried that hope with either of these quarterbacks. We talked about this on second down like two or three weeks ago is the one fault I think you can give Todd Munkin and probably more so Kirby Smart is when you see like really elite quarterback play, when they're up 40 to nothing on a team, they're still throwing the football around. They're throwing the ball 40 times a game because there's going to be games where maybe you don't need it, but there will be games that you do need it down the line, right? Good so point. instead yeah. instead of letting Stetson and or JT go out there and throw the ball 30, 40 times a game, it's the old Georgia metric where we're going to beat the hell out of you on defense. We're going to make you quit by the third quarter. Stetson's going to complete 15 of 24 passes, and a lot of them are going to go for touchdowns, and it's going to be just efficient enough for us to run the football and win, and we're going to get out of there with a 25-30 point win versus maybe you get some more turnovers, maybe you give up some more touchdowns on defense, but you let your offense and more specifically your wide receivers get used to being in games like that where they're going to have to get in and out of 40 different routes throughout a game. Georgia hasn't done that this year, and so of course it's like – keeping your car in second gear for its entire life. Knowing that there's a mountain coming up. Yeah, right. And then when you need it, when you're going over one of these big ass bridges in South Georgia, when you need it, then you hammer it after 12, 13 years and it's not there. That's what happened in the SEC championship is you were in second gear on offense all year. And when you had to hammer it down, when you had to put the gas pedal down, it wasn't ready for that. And I think that's what we saw. So I and I don't want to hammer this too much, but like it is fascinating to me. There's a bunch of different sort of, I guess, talking points that have come out of Athens. And for the most part, they all make logical sense. And there would be no reason for Kirby Smart to do something, you know, that would not benefit his football team. So the whole thing of who he likes more or the other, like that's absurd to me. But I would say that, okay, so if we would, let's just say that I agree that uh, you know, Stetson Bennett gives them the best chance to win and that he's outperforming JT Daniels in practice and that he is, in fact, Georgia's best shot at winning a national championship. Doesn't that speak sort of to maybe like another year where there's one clearing hole on this roster and that's they're better than the other team all over the field except for that one spot? I mean, is that like 
a lingering issue at Georgia? They have more five stars that leave than than play at quarterback at least. I think it's interesting, right? Because just take a step back and like look at kind of how he's dealt with the quarterback room. You have in 2018, you have a sophomore Jake Fromm who had just taken uh, his team to within a play of the national championship. My favorite stat, BJ always says it is when Jake Fromm walked off the field for the last time in the national championship, Georgia had a lead. So like he did yeah. everything he could do to win a national championship as a freshman. Then we all know the, the whole situation with Justin Fields. You get him for a year and then he's gone. So what are you sitting there with? You have a uh, junior Jake Fromm. Then you have some guys behind him, but nobody thinks Jake Fromm's going to leave. Right. <laughs> and then Jake Fromm leaves and he becomes like the Buffalo bills emergency quarterback. That's like not even with the team in Buffalo. And then you go and bring in JB Newman and COVID hits. And he opts out. Oh, I forgot about so Jamie. Just, what a mess that was with the right. So Duan it's just Mathis. like he went out and, and you got the transfer quarterback, and you had these guys, and he he leaves, and so you have Duan Mathis, and then Stetson has to step up and play for you. Carson Beck's not ready, so it's just so. He, see, there's always good, even if it's like not their if, fault. But if Justin Fields stays, right? If Justin Fields stays, then we're not we're not having this conversation. Justin Fields leaves, you lose that quarterback, and then the next quarterback leaves. And it puts you in a tough spot, but now you look at uh, it may be over addressing it now because that quarterback room is going to be stacked next year. So That's what I'm saying. I, just, I think I, I think it's more so a I think it's more so a deal of just bad timing and bad luck on their part. But I mean, Jake Fromm went 33 and three in the regular season. Like it's hard to argue that Kirby Smart made the wrong choice. Oh, there. of course not. No, and anyone that says that they were adamantly claiming that they were for Justin Fields to take over for Jake Fromm was not saying that, or else they would have been laughed yeah. at at the time. I mean, people desperately wanted Kirby to use Fields to appease him slightly packages, which I think might have worked, you know, had Kirby had done that. Like, that might have worked to keep him there? Probably not. But either way, the, the if it's Kirby's fault or not, or if it's nobody's fault and it's just bad luck, there has been just an issue at one of the best teams in the country at the most important spot i mean they might win a national title despite it but you know i don't know it's it's kirby hasn't done himself any favors and it was the nightmare is, yeah scenario i think for it him. is fascinating that georgia's like best team in a long long time is spearheaded by stetson bennett i i, I find that uberly fascinating uh one more quarterback question and i promise we're gonna leave the quarterbacks alone um <laughs> until next year's heisman uh there we go okay so next year 2022 georgia's opener I think it's uh, Oregon in the in the Chick Fil A Bowl. Maybe that might not be right. But next year's opener, who's starting at quarterback for Georgia? I'm gonna say J T. Daniels, and with Ooh. a caveat that with a caveat that there's a very distinct possibility that's Brock Vandegrift. Really? And yeah. do you think? And, and I don't know if I've heard you talk about this, but I've been obsessed with the very slight chance that Daniels could potentially move to Georgia Southern just because of some very thin, <laughs> thin vanilla yeah. connections, very thin, but the connections are there. It's not that far of a drive. Yeah, no, he's got his, uh, his old head coach and his old quarterbacks coach uh, down there now. So there's, there's a possibility. I don't know. I mean, Christian, he would go, go to Georgia home. Southern and then he would get beat out by like Sam Kennerson or somebody at quarterback. That's what would happen. Well, that, would, that would be fascinating. That would be just wonderful. <laughs> and we would, we would be all over it. I, I don't know that Georgia Southern fans would know how to deal with his personality. I think that would be fascinating to watch more so than anything. Oh, my God. But I didn't think about that. That That is it. Yeah, he is a quiet, kickback, West Coast dude. Dude, the clash would, would be, be electric I'd, there. 
I don't know if he would be able to handle that because Georgia Southerns, they're different breeds. He'd have to bring back the mustache first off. I, I think thousand percent, maybe even a handlebar. Now, see, now we're talking. Now, this is how you beat Alabama here. This is the kind of stuff that beats Alabama. Handlebar mustaches. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll move on from that. But uh, Georgia, Michigan, I, you know, I don't. We're still several days out, over a week out nice. from that game. Coming quick. But Christian, like this far out, eight point favorites for Georgia. Is it fair to say that this would be, I mean, Georgia's second toughest game of the season, probably, but I think it's a completely different tier than Alabama. I mean, this might be more of a metric yeah. stick than the SEC title game. I, yeah, I, I don't know that Michigan, I, I, maybe they're better than Clemson. I don't know. Uh, I think Michigan is a team who is very talented and they played their best games of the season when they had to. Yep albeit against a Ohio state team. I think a lot of people maybe overhyped uh, after they demolished the worst passing defense at FBS and Michigan state. I think everybody kind of overreacted to that one and hyped them up when we've seen them struggle uh, to beat Nebraska and get torched by Oregon. So I'm not overvaluing, overvaluing that Ohio state win. I think this game to me is it's two teams that are almost mirror images of each other. I just think Georgia does everything that Michigan does better. Like maybe the one thing I would say for Michigan is rushing the passer just because they have those two top 10 picks at defensive end. But I mean, outside of that, they like to do the same thing. They want to run the football and then hit play action. They want to block. They want to make it just a slobber knocker kind of game. And like, if I'm looking at Michigan and I'm saying, they're like, Hey, we're going to come up with the same game plan. We've had the last five, six weeks of the season. I'm going to be like, have you looked at this Georgia defense? I know they got cooked by Bryce Young, but he played out of his mind, and you have two NFL receivers on that football team. That If you want to run the football between the tackles against that Georgia team, you're going to have a long day. I agree. I mean, I, I, think, it's, I, I think I agree on nearly everything you said, and especially the part about, like, you know, I think Michigan, people pretending that this is just like, oh, Big Ten, slow – Michigan like this is a they have a bunch of four stars and five stars on the oh. roster it's not like upstart Cincinnati as you know a bunch of four-year starters coming back like this is a really talented team so they'll be able to go nose to nose with Georgia but nothing up to this point should suggest that Georgia's outmatched anywhere I mean I would think even at quarterback right like Georgia oh, would yeah, at I'm, least I'm be thinking, able to compare favorably if it's Stetson, I'm taking Stetson over Cade McNamara any day of the week. I think Stetson Bennett, like based off his play, was a top four, top five quarterback in the SEC. I don't know if you could say the same thing about Cade McNamara in the Big Ten. So, yeah, I, I'm definitely taking quarterback. I think the two position groups we went through this that I would give Michigan are the offensive line and the defensive ends. Outside of that, I think Georgia is favored in every single one. Let me ask you this. What about X's and O's on the sidelines? Coaches, Harbaugh versus Smart. Not recruiting, not program building. One game, X's and O's. I mean, that would – Michigan would at least have some sort of an argument. Kirby hasn't – you know, as far as fourth down decisions and, you know, notorious fake field goals, which well, he's done away if with. If you're, if you're talking X's and O's, I would I'd take Kirby up against anybody if we're talking defensively. And then Todd Munkin is I just mean like in-game but strategy. If like, you're talking in-game, that's interesting. I – Obviously, we've all followed Kirby, and it's like it's more so in like those huge, crucial moments where the entire world has you under a microscope. That yeah, maybe there's been some questionable decisions. I have, I'll be honest with you, uh, I haven't followed Jim Harbaugh's in-game coaching 
all that like, <laughs> fair enough for like for like timeouts and when he decides to go for it on fourth down and stuff like that like there hasn't been like that late tiffany against alabama game right where he decides to go to fourth down like seven times it's i i don't know about in game all i know is he has a track record where he doesn't typically win games like this but all of a sudden this year he's winning them so maybe he just got that formula i'll say this I, we talked to some michigan people and they said this michigan team has a very similar feeling to that 2017 Georgia team where it's just you have the backs, you have two amazing guys on the edge, and you just have a bunch of guys who came back because they had a goal. So I, I think they're feeling themselves up there in Ann Arbor. All right, we'll get you guys right back to the episode. First, let me tell you guys about John Carr Real Estate. John Carr is the number one real estate agent in Savannah, and he's been our segment sponsor for a while now. We support them. You guys should too. 912-228-0916. If you want to buy real estate in the Savannah area, if you want to sell it, or just learn more about the market, Johnny is your guy. He sold over $8 million worth of homes in the last calendar year, and he would love the opportunity to help our listeners buy their new house in the Savannah area today. Give him a call, 912-228-0916. Tell him the Hot Grits podcast sent you and he will hook it up. 912-228-0916. John Carr Real Estate on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, um, Christian, we're going to move on from Georgia, Michigan. Uh, Alabama, Cincinnati, any thoughts besides you really think Alabama is going to win? I mean, I don't want to like search no, for a dude, way that Cincinnati uh, can win. Go ahead. Might surprise, yeah, this might surprise people, but I think if – if Cincinnati comes out and plays their game and Alabama comes out with the same game plan they had against Georgia, I think Cincinnati can hang in that football game. Uh, you have Kobe Bryant with a C who just won the Thorpe award. And then you have sauce Johnson, just an unbelievable. Hello. Uh, yeah. And so you have two guys who will probably be first round picks a corner uh, playing for Cincinnati. So they have the best corner duo two NFL guys in the country. John Mechie's hurt. So you could pretty much put an NFL guy with some safety help over Jamison Williams and then play defense. And those dudes in Cincinnati can coach up some defense. I mean, think about uh, Marcus Freeman at uh, Notre Dame. He went from their defensive coordinator uh, to Notre Dame's defensive coordinator, Notre Dame's head coach, like two years. So obviously they're doing something right over there at Cincinnati. So Luke Bickle and those dudes can coach some defense. I, I don't think that – Alabama is just going to come out and immediately house Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati is hoping and praying that Bryce Young has to throw the ball 30, 40 times because that plays right into their hands. Now, if Alabama comes decides to come out and go, hey, Evan Neal's 6'7", 340 pounds, and Cincinnati has absolutely nothing for this and just runs the football, it doesn't matter who the running back is, it just runs the ball, yeah, Cincinnati's probably in for a really long day. But if they try to put this game on Bryce Young – I, I think Cincinnati has the horses to run with those Alabama skill guys. And then Devin Ritter is the type of quarterback that has given Nick Saban defenses fits. So I think, I think there's a recipe for a Cincinnati upset. Would you be more surprised if Cincinnati beat Alabama or if Michigan beat Georgia? Oh, uh, Cincinnati beat Alabama. Okay. Fair, fair. I had to just test the limits of it. Yeah. I mean, but I, that being said, 
play back this audio afterwards if I'm an <laughs> idiot, but also play it back if I'm right. I would not be surprised if Cincinnati came out and gave Alabama everything they wanted. I mean, I know everybody always likes to go out and give the excuses that like the players weren't really into it, but I mean, Utah beat the hell out of Alabama uh, in a sugar bowl, right? Oklahoma beat the hell out of Alabama, I think, in another sugar bowl. So South just, Carolina it, State it, killed Jackson State. Correct. So, I mean, it, it's, it's not, it's not just out of the ordinary. I think Cincinnati has the dues, like I said, in the secondary to run with Alabama's receivers. It's just, can they hold up up front defensively? That's what it's going to come down to. All right, Christian, we won't keep you much longer. We got Christian Gokel from ESPN coastal with us, uh, brought to you guys by coaches corner in Savannah, Thirty sixteen East victory drive. Call ahead your order. 912-352-2933 coaches corner, the best sports bar in savannah and our title sponsor now for over a year tell john henderson and those guys that we sent you and they will hook it up on the price bartender server whatever you're ordering tell them we sent you the hot grits podcast and they will take care of you uh all right christian dan lanning i wanted to go back to one more thing about georgia dan lanning co-oc does that strike you as weird that he takes the head coaching job at oregon and then is still going to stay on board uh despite that i mean it's i guess similar to what kirby did with Alabama when he was coming to Georgia. No, yeah, I don't think it's it's all that crazy, right? So like the day-to-day stuff is pretty much taken over by Glenn Schumann and Will Muschamp uh, up there in Athens. And then of course you have Dan Landing. He just tried to finish up his recruiting class. Actually did a pretty damn uh, good job. Just landed Bo Nix. Brian McClendon. And, Brian McClendon up there is a fantastic recruiter, man. He, oh, that's a, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a, that, that was, he, he's going to be a name to watch very soon. Uh, but I, I don't think I think it's more so just the game planning and then the execution inside the game, right? You have the same guy on the sideline calling the plays into the backers. I think that's more so. And also just like kind of a finishing what you started thing. I don't think there's any hard feelings uh, with Kirby Smart going on there. I just think it's, hey, let's finish this stuff up here. We need you on the sideline for a couple more games, hopefully. So I, I don't think there's anything untoward or weird about it. I, no, neither do I, but I mean, I can see it now. I'm sure you can too. If Georgia were, and I don't see this happening. But if Georgia were to run out of a forty burger, it's because Dan Lanning was distracted. Or, or I mean, like that's going to happen, yeah. But then they'll just, I mean, yeah, they'll point to all that, but it'll ultimately circle back to Kirby's decision to allow him to, or Kirby's decision to use Schumann and Muschamp as the co. I mean, it's something's going to come out of that. For if Michigan goes out there and tortures Georgia's defense, and people want to point at Dan Lanning and say that's the problem. Uh, I would be very curious about that. When you have Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp, you don't have to go anywhere past that. When you have those two dudes, say what you will about Will Muschamp as a head coach, that dude can coach some damn defense, right? Like if you have those two dudes in the same room, oh yeah, it's they're going to come up with a good plan. Glenn Schumann is an awesome inside linebackers coach, or excuse me, awesome linebackers coach in general. And then Lanning, he didn't get hired at Oregon because he's a bad defensive mind. So I, I think you want as much help as possible. I, I think anybody who says having Dan Lanning in the room is a bad thing is out of their mind. I would be, I would, if I'm Kirby smart and it was allowed in the NCAA that like once a team was eliminated, I could bring in their defensive coordinators as advisors. I'm paying as many people as I can to come <laughs> in and bring in ideas. So Billy, Billy Napier is probably doing that. He hired like a Hell thousand yeah. people. Right. So just like bring in as many people as you can. Like I'm going to Ed Orgeron and saying, how did you hold Alabama to 20? I need to know. I, like Ed, I know you're retired and destined right now. Oh. Get in here. Like bring everybody in, all hands on deck. Listen, there are pretty girls in Athens, and that's what Ed O likes. Ed O for defensive coordinator at Georgia in 2022. That'd be something, huh? 
Ed Orgeron and Will Muschamp as co-defensive coordinators. That would just <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer calling the offense. I'm not going to say which. Uh, I know this is like kind of out of left field, but it just reminds no, me. No, go I ahead. Today. I'm not going to say which uh, medium or website put this out, but I did see some Georgia fan site kind of deal say. We're not saying it's going to happen, but here's why Georgia should say no to Urban Meyer. And I was like, that's just the best <laughs> I've ever seen in my That life. came down from up high, probably some really, really smart editor that's, you know, the work. like, listen, we need Urban Meyer SEO. We need the clicks. Just make up <laughs> yeah. some article about Urban Meyer. Thank you. Yeah, just make it digi- digitally involved and, and keep them on the page for a minute. Uh, all right. Hey, I wanted to close. Uh, you got really to witness, I think, probably one of the more special football seasons in Savannah High School football history, and at least recent history, modern history, in Benedictine State Championship team. I mean, in more ways than one, and I'll just brief the listener quickly, Christian, before I ask you about Benedictine yeah. and a couple of those players. Um, going into the season, big announcement for you guys being the exclusive radio um you know home of benedictine is it football or, or athletics is it just the football uh majority football we're gonna do some like select games with other sports okay yeah but so th- but this year for the first time every game home and away you guys were there pre-game show you know full play-by-play halftime and then even a post-game show which you know we i know i appreciated that every friday night they start zero and two after this announcement, okay, and you guys are there, you and Kevin Thomas, and I know you've seen enough football not to like panic after 0-2, especially with the teams they played, but a state championship was a long way from realistic minds at that point. Uh, how special was, I guess, the final, you know, after the first two weeks of the season to see that turnaround every single week? See, like, my initial thought, like, Danny Bray was funny because he came up after the Buford game. We traveled up to South Carolina and got to watch that game and he came up to the press box and like he was like so i'm sorry that you guys had to watch that and we were like ah man that's what we get paid to do he's like no i want to apologize to the listeners too so he does a post game and he's apologized to the listeners and to the alumni i remember that i was listening live i got goosebumps from that he yeah that was not coach speak no he was he was ticked and it's because you have all these amazing athletes and you just clicking and so the story is now labor day was that following monday and so they were going to practice early and i was talking to a lot of the dads about this because they're like yeah it's labor day i'm supposed to be off work and my son's waking up at 6 30 in the morning saying dad i gotta go to school and he's like what are you talking about it's, it's labor day he's like no dad i'm touching the pressure you can't drop it's like dad i have to go to school <laughs> apparently like holding garrander and justin thomas and holden sap and matt Cromanock and those dudes had called a team only meeting oh let's and go and so they call the team, the team only meeting, had the players meeting, the coaches show up, see that they're in there. And that's when Danny Britt kind of said that he knew. I'll say this. I knew it was going to come down to like Jefferson, Marist or BC as it was really good. And they kind of came out of nowhere. Dude, when you have a quarterback that's going to Auburn and that can sling the rock like holding Garner and you have the wide receivers to go get it. You should be in every single football game. So what I love about the way Danny Britt schedules is, hey, let's figure out what's wrong with us early. So you go schedule an 8A state champion contender out of Florida, which is the highest classification in Florida. You go schedule a 4A team out of South Carolina that played for a state championship this year. Schedule those teams the first two weeks of the season, figure out what's wrong, and fix it. And that's what they did. And then you kind of saw – I kind of knew – they were going to be right there at the end when you beat a Ware County team 
the way that they did in that back and forth game. Yeah. So that was, it was a whole lot of fun to watch, especially like I said, the defense was really cool. Holding staff is going to be a name to watch at Army. But I mean, you get to see a quarterback throw for over 3,000 yards, all those touchdowns, and just the way Karen executed that offense with AJ DePhillips calling it. That was with a lot of pressure. I mean, a lot. I know yeah, this gets a, overblown. Yeah. People that don't spend time like watching high school football every week, that makes them normal, right? Like, not like you and yeah. I, but, but uh, like, when you're good. around it, th- th- it's not like the pressure that you see in Friday night lights, but it's as close to that as you can get around here. There is a lot of money. There's a lot of, you know, important alumni. They care a great deal and they support the hell out of it. And so they expect a good product because, you know, you're taught that way from sixth, seventh, eighth grade before you even go to BC how to play. And so for them to, you know, with their backs against the wall, for them to do, you know what yeah, they set out to do. It was, in a row, yeah. yeah, it was pretty pretty special. And then Gurner, obviously, I wanted to ask you about him. Um, you're around them, you know, often throughout the season, and I'm sure you get to talk to people. Some stuff on the record, some stuff off. But as much as you can, was there ever any wavering at all after Mike Bobo left Auburn or was fired at Auburn for holding Gurner being committed there? Uh, no, more so than wavering. It was more of a we, we need some clarification. And right. I think that's like, you're not doing your due diligence. If you don't do that, like if you're like, yeah, I'm still committed and they're going to start running a spread read option offense. And like, maybe you didn't do your due diligence there, but no, Brian Harson said that Holden was his first call after they fired Bobo. He's so, going to yeah, be an early enrollee, right? Is he correct? Yeah. He's, he's gone here in a couple of weeks. And I mean, I'm looking at their quarterbacks unless they get a transfer in, which I, I think a majority of the really good ones are up the market. I would not be shocked whatsoever if he's starting for them really early. You know what's nuts is that he he's the first guy from Savannah to sign a Power Five quarterback scholarship offer. Do you know, yeah, since, I think I, like that's nuts I to, to think about. Nelson. Yeah, I thought of John Nelson at PB. This doesn't really get a lot of credit for holding, but he kind of started the trend for quarterbacks around here for hitting the camps. Cause it's not like there hasn't been talented quarterbacks in this area, but very early, like eighth grade, right? He's tall hitting the camps seven on seven, every single summer, summer just completely locked in to being a quarterback. Like there's very few quarterbacks now that just kind of like athlete their way into being an awesome power five quarterback. Right. If you look at a majority of these guys, the Quinn Ewers out there, uh, the kid who's going, he just won the state championship in Texas, going to Clemson, like Cade something or another. But he, he's like, it's just all the seven on sevens and all the quarterback camps. Like, Garner went out to the Elite 11 and competed in that and got to work with all these quarterback trainers out there. So, and then he stayed in Savannah, like, didn't go to IMG, didn't go to you right. know, Grayson Which, or anything was, like that. Yeah, he was never going to because, like, uh, I think this is an awesome stat. All three of his brothers went to BC and all three of them won a state championship. Ooh, so, that is a nice just, stat. Yeah, so it's just. He was never going anywhere, but it's just now you see all these other quarterbacks that are doing the same thing. You have a Barry Kleinpeter uh, who's going to New Hampshire. I think Jake Merklinger could be the best out of the bunch. He's already been visiting like Notre Dame and yeah. stuff like that. The kid uh, at so New Hampstead, uh, Polly Seely has. Polly Seely, yeah, hell yeah, he's really good. So, so there's there's a ton of really good quarterbacks in this area, and it's just you have to figure out that it's not just showing up to football for half the year and trying to athlete your way into being a good quarterback, you got to put the off season work in. And a lot of it, I'll say this comes down to coaches because you have to have coaches 
and parents that are willing to drive you to these different places. And a lot of people think like it's BC, it's Calvary Day, it's this and that. They have this money. For the most part, dude, it's coaches putting these kids in the back of their trucks and driving yes. them to these camps. Yes. So it's that's that's what it comes down to. That's how a lot of these offers happen. And and it's the parents buying in, box. like it's parents buying in early in the program. Like, uh, you know, Holen Garner ends up going to Auburn is a is an obvious Power Five guy before he you know even can see an R rated movie. And yeah. yet he doesn't start his first year at BC. His older brother does, and it takes like that kind of patient and Croman Hawk this year, this kid's like going to go play power five football somewhere as a quarterback. Oh, and, he's, he's got a, he's got a little bit of edge to him too. I like him. He's, he's a little nasty. And that does, that says something about the the coaching and the program that, that guys like that will stick around. Yeah. I mean, he, I'll say this, right? Like holding Garner's not like five ten going to Auburn, right? He's true, three, true. 20 yeah. pounds. And I th- Ben says this all the time. He said, if you're six, three, you have to prove you can't play football, but it's, <laughs> it's, how many six, three dudes are just sprinkled all over FBS football? Not all of them get offers from Auburn and win state championships. So like, that's, that's the difference. Okay. Justin Thomas, this kind of season he had future baseball player at Georgia. I don't want to ask you if Kirby smart should let him play football. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go down a route. Cause I don't you know. I think with my own eyes that like clearly this guy can contribute at the division one level on a football field. But I, no, I sure. want to ask, do you know if Justin Thomas wants to play football at Georgia? No, he, he has made it very clear. He wants to play baseball. Even if it, Kirby asked him to do both, he would not want to do that. Uh, I mean, I, I think the competitor in him would say, like, he would definitely consider it. But he said after the state championship game, he's like, it's really cool that my last game playing football is this one. So, like, I think dude's locked in on baseball. And I'll say this, and I don't want to take anything away from the season that he just had, right? Because he is a different kind of football player. And I think when you say different, people are like, is he like super athletic? Uh, is he? Well, he's better than, than Lad McConkey. I mean, he's better than yeah, Lad McConkey. <laughs> hey, Lad McConkey cooked that Jenkins defense a couple of years ago. That was oh, you got so. that in. I teed that up yeah, for you. So, so the Lad McConkey, he's, he's fast, fast. <laughs> but like Lad McConkey is faster than Justin Thomas, right? He has that kind of different attribute, right? That teams are looking for. Like if you're five eleven, but you can't run like Lad McConkey, you're not going to Georgia. Lavacocchi's fast, fast. Justin Thomas is really good at everything across the board. There's not like one thing that stands out, but what I think makes Justin Thomas different. And this isn't just a football. I think he's just one of those type of people. He's just better than you, right? Like it, it's, it, it's just, it is what it is. If he decided he wanted to be a lawyer, he's going to be a better lawyer than you. If he decides he wants to host a radio show, he's going to have a better radio show than you. <laughs> like no matter what he does, he's going to be better at you at, then you add it, and that's just the type of person he is. And so he decided, hey, I want to play running back and wide receiver. Guess what? He's better than you at it. Like, it's just – it's that kind of dude. And so now he's locked in on baseball, and he's going to be unbelievable. So like that, I, I, I would be shocked if I even heard rumblings about him playing football. But, you know, you never know. Well, that's the thing about rumblings. Um, what if you were to hear rumblings about Danny Britt pursuing jobs at the college level? Would that shock you? Uh, yes. Like position coach because, jobs. Yeah. Uh, that, that would surprise me. Just the type of dude Danny is. I think he's built something and he's not done building it. Like he wants to make BC like a St. John Bosco's. He wants to make it uh, like a St. Thomas Aquinas, right? He wants to make it one of those private schools. So he's not done building yet. And at the same time, like 
Danny, if you're listening to this, don't get mad at me. I think it's a little bit later in his life right now. Like he's really happy being a granddad and he's got wow. two or th- two or three little grandkids. And he like, first thing he said to me after the state championship, wasn't like, dude, did you see that holding completed 80% of his passes for 400 yards before touchdowns? First thing he said on the field of the state championship, did you see my grandbabies? Like that's, that's where Danny Britt's at. That's awesome. He loves, yeah. He loves living in South Georgia. Uh, he's got one girl that's about to graduate from Georgia Southern shout out the ESPN coastal intern. Uh, and then I think sailor, another one that's still in college right now. Like I think he's not satisfied at BC. He wants to build it into something bigger, but I don't think he has a wondering eye. I know why you asked that because <laughs> there have been those interesting articles. That no, no, I'm not referencing that article. I did not take that one seriously. You don't have even, you don't, I'm not going to do that on this podcast, but that was an interesting list. It included basketball coaches, <laughs> yeah, there've been a few interesting lists. Christian, I saw your name down at the bottom of that list as as a possible I mean, listen, candidate for Savannah listen, State. If they if they call, I'm going to tell them Russell Demonte's the guy. Like I appreciate it. I'm flattered. All right, not Russell to Demonte's deep dive into this, but but for my clarity, would I be far off in saying that a wide receiver coach, say at Georgia Southern, who I, I know the wide receivers coach there in 2018 19. That football season, the wide receivers coach at Georgia Southern was making ninety thousand a year. Yeah. I would be safe in assuming, right, that that is, couldn't be the issue at Benedict. It would not. It would have to be significantly more money for him to leave BC. I mean, that that's the only way I could see it happening. Like something that he couldn't turn down. Does that make sense? Yeah, like the I, better, like yeah, the move think, up, like the move yeah. up is not enticing to him, but like if someone offered him a million dollars, like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's tough to say no to, because just depending on what his salary is, like you can make the one year, what you make in 10 years. So like, it's hard for anybody to say no to that. Sure. Yeah, it ha- I, I think it'd have to be something like that because. Well, he's he, got a fantastic thing going over there, man. He, him yeah, and he's Phillips, going. He's, he lives where he wants to live. He's around his family. Like, and he doesn't have to, I don't know. Maybe it's a private school. Who knows? He doesn't have to fly, uh, to California or to Iowa or to Indiana to talk to high schoolers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, when BC is good at football and great at football, like they are this year, it's better for every single team in the city. No one will say that and they don't have to because it's obvious. I mean, when they're up, it brings the whole city up because it raises it to a different level and a different standard. I mean, that's sort of what they're there for. Yeah. I hate the term bandwagon fans. Cause like, why would I pay to see a crappy movie? So like, why would I go spend money to see a crappy football team, right? Like I, I get it. Like you want to support your kids and I highly encourage people to go out and watch high school sports, but I, I hate the term bandwagon fans. And you're right. When Jenkins was going to the semifinals, Memorial stadium was like red and black packed out to the streets, crazy atmosphere. So yeah, I think it's good when any of these teams are elite level. I think that's awesome for the city, but kind of going back to your point, if you want to keep these coaches around here, you you got to be willing to pay them because somebody's going to see that success and one of these county schools that have one school and can pour all the resources into it are going to come and take them away from you. Awesome, Christian. Hey, I don't have anything else. Do you want to plug anything or tell people where to listen to you one more time before you go? Yeah, daily uh, from 2 to 6, just tune into ESPN, Coastal ESPN Savannah, 104.3, 1400, uh, second downs from 2 to 3, and then the guys from 3 and out are from 3 to 6. Just talking everything local sports every single day. We appreciate everyone that supports us in this community.